Welcome to the College Prep Genius Radio Show, where we can answer all your questions about getting college for free. Today, your host is Jean Burke, the author of College Prep Genius, The No-Brainer Way to SAT Success, and you can find her at collegeprepgenius.com. And I'm the moderator, Felice Gerwitz. Welcome. Hey, friends, and welcome. This is an episode of College Prep Genius, and you can find today's show notes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast. And today we have Jean Burke on the line. And Jean, I'm so happy you're going to be talking about a very hot topic, especially uh, these days, and that is the FAFSA. It's F-A-F-S-A. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about that. And friends, if you are listening um, on the road or on the air, um, you know, wherever you are, um, we have this information and the show notes on the website. So if you go to the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network, look for College Prep Genius or just go to the collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast and then look for... F-A-F-S-A, FAFSA, and then you will find it there. So, Jean, a lot has happened since the last time we recorded on this topic, and there is a ton of information um, that is available now. And so just in a a summary, if you would, tell us about um, what FAFSA is, and I, I always have a hard time saying it, and what parents can expect from looking into this as a way of scholarship. Well, thank you. And so here's the thing about the FAFSA right now, you know, we are right now in early January and as promised from three years ago, the FAFSA was changing. They were going to have this sweeping, very labor intensive update from all the prior versions. um, And it was mandated by Congress. And so what FAFSA is or the acronym stands for free application for federal student aid. So this is a free application. So this is how students can qualify for federal grants, loans, um, institutional scholarships, state aid, and so forth. And so when they announced this some three years ago, and we would thought that they would have had it all worked out, bam, soon as time rolled around, the snafus, two big ones happened. And I know that so many parents out there, excuse me, are frustrated because of these pretty big glitches, actually, is what happened. And so what happens normally every year is the FAFSA opens up October 1. So if you have a senior out there uh, on October 1, I would encourage you always, you know, fill it out that day because the funding is um, on a first come first serve basis. So I'm always like, okay, just go out there and just get it done, have everything ready and get it done so that you don't get left out. There's also deadlines for various aid and all. Well, this year, even though they've had several years to prepare, they said, we're going to open. And they kind of hinted to December 1. Well, December 1 came and gone, December 10th, 15th, 20th, 25th. Um, And then they're like, okay, we're going to open this thing on the 31st. Well, guess what happened? They did, but it was for like two hours. Oh, and yeah. it 
it shut the system down. And anxiety, confusion, nobody had any idea what was going on. They called it a soft launch. So what does that mean? Well, it's just a name to cover up what really happened. So they had a they had uh, back based on the some legislator legislature that was opposed that um, was created. Uh, the deadline had to be by December 31. This was based on the Higher Education Act, and so they didn't get it together. And so to meet that obligation, they opened up for two hours to say, "Okay, we did it," and then they shut it back down. So this caused extreme panic all across the nation from families who were ready, had been waiting since December 1, and had no idea what's going on. Now, early December, it opened up for good, and then now it's opened up pretty much 24-7 now. So uh, it it caused such panic and confusion, especially when people couldn't get in, they couldn't get things submitted and all. But that was one snafu, and that was pretty bad. For, for a lot of families and a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Uh, the second snafu or what we would call is a huge mistake that they did. And this has to do with inflation. So the new software that they released uh, only equated for one formula. And what this did was this caused a huge flaw in the system. So this it, there's this huge mistake uh, made on what's called the inflation index, part of the income protection calculation. Um, and so they had to come clean and admit it. Hey, yes, there, there is a problem. We did not account for the possible inflation um, that's happening. Um, and they so they didn't update that key part of its aid. Uh, and it surged from some 20% since the onset of COVID. So inflation is far higher uh, than what they, you know, anybody could have predicted, you know, you know, back what we call BC or before COVID. And so, <laughs> so now they, they admitted to it, but they also came out and said, Hey, you know what? Yes, there's a problem, but we don't have time to fix it. So oh, wow. this is, this is bad. So Congress told the, the education department, okay, Maybe we can use some different kind of formula for families' income. I don't know. You know, they're just kind of all up in the air. Uh, maybe the schools can adjust for the inflation. So it's it, the problem um, became more about protecting a student or family's income, which would allow them to qualify for more financial aid. So what this is going to do is it's going to lessen the type of aid or the amount of aid that families are, are going to be able to get because they did not adjust for inflation. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So by not adjusting for this, the income now being applied is obviously going to be very different. So I I think this issue means hundreds of thousands of students could either get less money or not qualify for the Pell Grant at all. Because when you, for not allowing for this lack of inflation and adjustment, it's going to impact a lot of uh, qualifications, work study, um, even financial aid offered by certain schools. So I think what the department now, they're, they appear to be leaning more toward adjusting it sooner rather than later, hopefully, uh, which, of course, is going to pose some challenges. If student wants to get their intended aid, you know, more the further the delay from the schools, it's going to force the, them to do something. And so it's something that parents should be aware of, that um, 
it, it's it's a problem. I, it certainly was not fixed by the time that it, they finally rolled this thing out. So, you know, hopefully there'll be some kind of compensation. Hopefully the college is aware of it. So maybe there can be some adjustment there. So mainly that you just need to know that if you didn't qualify or you don't qualify, it's not you probably. It's probably them. Wow. And I guess um, they just kept in the indexes that were there before they went to redo this. And so that's what the big issue is. Wow. Okay. So um, there are changes. Obviously, you've scoured this thing, I'm sure. And um, you you said there are good changes um, that are some, good for some and tricky for others. So what do you mean by that? Well, every family situation is different. Every financial situation is different. Um, and so one of the reasons why I think they changed it, uh, there's a lot of reasons they changed it, but uh, one of the reasons was the confusing terminology. Um, it, it was before they uh, rolled out this new one, you would get what's called an EFC, Estimated Family Contribution. So. Many families thought, well, does that mean that's how much I have to pay? Is that how much aid I'm getting? You know, how in the world are colleges going to determine, you know, my financial situation? So one of the things they did is they they changed the calculation to what's called SAI or Student Aid Index. This gives more clarity on how colleges are actually going to look at the household age eligibility. And so just clarifying the the wording alone is supposed to be a, a better help to really encourage families to do it because uh, I think less and less families were starting to complete the FAFSA and mm -hmm. they were trying to figure out why. Well, another thing, one of the other bigger reasons why people weren't filling out the FAFSA is that there were a hundred questions, very daunting. Now, I think, I think there's about 36. So that's, that knocks two thirds just about off. So that's going to really encourage families to do that. Um, the date, another thing, you know, it's always been October 1. And, and and their intention next year is to go back to that date. The other thing is once you fill out your FAFSA, you used to get what was called an SAR or a student aid report. Now they're going to be giving students what's called the FSS or the FAFSA submission summary. So one of the things too that they, that was good for, for people, and that was that they increased the Pell Grant, grant eligibility. So it's, especially if you had exceptional needs. So now you're going to see more students qualifying for free money. Um, they have what's called the U.S. Poverty Tables, uh, which kind of go, it takes into account a family size, you know, their makeup of the family, their income and so forth. That's good. Now, let's talk about the not so good or the challenging for some families. And that is where, and I've been, I started talking about this a couple of years ago at some conferences and telling them, um, you know, again, before it changed, if you had more than one student in college, it actually benefited you greatly because they would cut everything in half. And so that was, you know, I would tell families, oh, go, you know, I know you have an eight year old, but go ahead and put them in college now. <laughs> so, um, you know, you could both benefit. Everyone could, you know, get that discount. But this is the one thing um, that really, for those of us who are, are, for lack of a better word, stuck in the middle or the middle class are getting the raw deal, because now there are no more discounts for if you have more than one student in college. So this is 
probably the the worst thing that I have seen about the FAFSA, because most people have more than one kid and most people have more than one kid in college uh, at the same time. Now, yeah. I, I have I have read that there are petitions to get it to have it brought back. Hopefully that, you know, won't work for this year, but maybe that would be something in the future. And and I think another thing to take in consideration is colleges know this. And a lot of them look at that and think, well, we can make some kind of adjustment knowing that you no longer get that discount. The another change, too, was that a lot more schools are going to be using the CSS profile, um, the scholarship profile and the college scholarship uh, profile that current before this, there were about 400 colleges that do that. Uh, it, it, you can get more institutional aid that way by filling it out. Um, the drawback of though of the CSS is that um, yes, you may get more more financial aid, more discounts, but you also have to add back in more of your. Uh, uh, I'm going to blank here. <laughs> Hang on. Sorry. Okay. The drawback of the uh, take, doing the CSS profile is that you're going to have to add in more of your assets as, as like your home equity and retirement, which you didn't have, you don't have to on the FAFSA. Uh, another interesting change is that they don't distinguish between divorced or legal separation. It, it used, you know, having that made a difference depending on your situation because used to uh, it would default to the custodial parent, the one who pretty much had 51% of custody of the kids. Uh, now it defaults to the one who has the highest AGI or adjusted gross income. So now, you know, that's uh, that whole ability to be able to, you know, help the parent. Generally, the parent who has the kids usually is the one that makes the least amount of money. So unfortunately, uh, this this could be a drawback for a lot of families. Now, another one good change that I find um, a way to help families when they're preparing for their younger kids for college is um, that there's now going to be no financial consequences for contributions made by other people toward your child's education. So let's say grandma and grandpa own a 529 plan uh, that's not owned by the family who has the student or the aunt, the uncle, um, this money actually is invisible financial aid. So there was not going to be any, uh, basically any untaxed income for the, before that would have been assessed at 50%, but that's going away now. Um, so this is a great way. And, I, and I'm not a financial aid uh, or legal CPA. Um, so I always tell people that, you know, check, you know, always get this uh, confirmed with people who are licensed in that area. Uh, but this could play a huge part in someone gifting a grandparent. Let's say, I think the, you can now do it $17,000. You know, you can gift each grandparent $17,000. You mean um, each gra grandparent can gift the kids? Yeah. Right. You no, well, no, yeah. you, like you as a parent, if you have money, you can gift it, gift it to the grandparent and the grandparent can put it in a 529. Oh, okay. So you're so doing yes. it backwards, but yes. Exactly. Okay. Because now that's not going to be seen. It's now more invisible. Oh, got it. So it's more of a, all it really is, is a tax benefit to um, the family not to count that portion as income. Because that's right. all that really would be. Okay. 
Right, right. Okay. Um, another thing okay. too is um, the there there is a tool called the IRS Data Retrieval Tool, and so that is where you can have all your income tax information just pulled from your your taxes, so you don't have to fill that in. Now the difference is now is that if you want money, if you want the income tax transferred over without you having to actually do any work, uh, it now requires consent. Used to, you could just do it. Now, this actually will benefit families who are either in a divorce situation or a blended family because maybe one spouse doesn't want the other one to know what's going on. And so now it has to, um, you know, again, you can't just go and blatantly do it. Uh, another benefit is you can list 20 schools as opposed to the 10 beforehand. And when you were listing 10 before and you wanted to add another one, you would have to make sure the school got your information and then you could delete it and then you could add more. The fact that you can do 20 now is great. That's going to be saving a lot of time, a lot of frustration. And some other things too, I think is interesting is the, um, the what's called the roles based form. Um, this is where the student will have their so own spell login. that spell that Jane role roles R O L E S dash based B A S E D roles based. So before you could go on there, what parents would often do, and most parents fill out the application for their kids, even though it says free application for student A, most parents have their own FSA ID. And they did all the work. And a lot of mistakes were made because it would say things like, what is your birthday? What is, you know, what is mm -hmm. your, you know, dot, dot, dot. And they would think it was talking about them and they would put their birthday in, although there was a parent section. And so those would kick back a lot of them and get rejected because they would put the wrong information in. Now you have what's called roles based form where the student will have a login access and the parent will have a login access to, to their own section. And you have, and, and the kids have to give consent to the parent to be able to do this. So, or, or I guess invite them, so to speak. It's almost like inviting someone on social media to follow mm -hmm. you. You have to, you have to invite them in. The other thing too, I think the family size definition has changed. So whether dependent, independent, you can actually change that after filing. Used to, if you were a, a dependent student, which most kids are, they're dependent from their uh, on their family's forms of the family. They're not like living on their own, married or in the you know in the uh, military. But now, if you let's say your child is dependent, but for some reason they become independent, like let's say they get married you can actually now go in and change that where you couldn't do that before. Um, and then the last change that, that I think is pertinent to the new 2024 FAFSA is they have what's called a provisional independent status. Um, and that means dependent students who have some sort of unusual circumstance that prevent them from providing the parent data, parent information, um, they can now the whole form can now be processed with some kind of provisional independent status. So it's it's like you are a dependent student, but you can temporarily become independent just so you can get the FAFSA. And what's interesting about that is I have a neighbor uh, who's a young girl who's done my program. And, and that was really, they're from a different country, 
And that was really hard for her parents to even let her do that because in their culture, they believe that she should not go to college and that she should get married and have kids. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, but they don't, they're not, they're, they're very hesitant about her going to college. And so they really were not giving her information that she could do. And in this situation, if someone was in, in a family dynamic that where the student was a dependent on the family, was a dependent on the FAFSA, they could actually somehow, you know, let a, a, be allowed to get their information without having um, to miss out on, you know, filing and all. And I, and I see that a lot too. So, mm. so those are good. So th- I think like a lot of those things are good. Little is a little bit tricky and challenging for, for other families. And so it's important that, you know, you know where you're at, your starting point, so that you can um, prepare ahead of time. The, now, I will say one thing. Um, the the problem with the rolling out, one of the things I, I, I meant to fail to mention was the fact that the FAFSA was so late into getting off. You know, we're talking three months late. A lot of times schools have hard deadlines for the application. And so many of them have like early January as a deadline. And because they delayed it three months instead of October uh, 1, it, it being early January that they rolled out, uh, I think this is the case. If, if you're in that situation, you need to talk with a college and see if there's some kind of a grace period, some kind of wiggle room that will allow you to still be able to get your FAFSA in by some kind of deadline that they that they set out. So, um, you know, I think colleges are aligned with families. You know, they understand you know, that it wasn't their fault that the FAFSA did this. Uh, so it's it's really important, I think, for families to really reach out to the schools because mm-hmm. of this big snafu of just not getting it out when they should have got it out. Yeah. And that's be- because, you know, they probably had difficulty getting um, the techie part of it, I'm sure. But then they also missed some other uh, big things. Uh, so it's it's really disappointing for people who are counting on this, you know, so, but I think you're right that if you check with your college, they may obviously be aware of this and, um, you know, perhaps they do have some, some wiggle room, as you said. So um, what are some steps in filing that you have to have done ahead of time? Well, one thing is, in a normal year, <laughs> oh, hold on. Sophie, hang on one second. Let me get my dog. Okay. Sophie, you not know. Okay. Hey, Sophie, stop it. She went through it. Okay, so there are some steps to filing that are um, very important before they get started. So what do you recommend? Well, first of all, I recommend that everyone felt the FAFSA. So what I hear so much of the time is, well, we just make too much money. The thing about it is if you win the lottery, you need to fill out the FAFSA. I mean, if you get that clearinghouse, publisher's clearinghouse at your door, you still need to fill out the FAFSA because there is free money for everybody. Uh, it is on a first come first serve basis, um, but take advantage of it because even if you don't qualify for the federal aid or the low income or the Pell Grants, uh, you can qualify for state aid or even 
institutional aid. And that's only going to be, you know, received from the students based on you filing the FAFSA. So people need to know that. Just file it. Um, and, and, and in a normal year, you would file on October 1, you know, day one. That's what I would say. Uh, on, if, if there's a year that there's some minor changes to the FAFSA, you know, you might wait four or five days just to let them get the bugs worked out. And then, of course, as in this year, the major changes, you know, it's okay. You know, if 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 you don't get it in, into a couple a couple weeks later after it opens up, because I think um, everyone knows that. So uh, right now, the good thing is that they came out with because of the snafu of just not getting it off by December one, is they're not going to process any forms until the end of January. So if you don't, if if you're right now in that situation, you've got a senior and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't done anything. Or wait until to see, you know, when the glitches were going to be worked out. Uh, you're not going to get any results any faster from someone who who actually did it on January 3rd um, this year. Now, I'm only speaking for this year because, you know, because of their late launch date. And and I think knowing too the 120 billion dollars that's available out there, uh, whether it's in, uh, you know, federal aid or grants, loans, work studies, uh, you know, just aid as a whole. So keep that in mind. That's why everyone needs to file. So let's talk about the steps to file. Everyone needs to create a FSA ID, both the student and one parent. And you can do that anytime. Even if you have kids that are not seniors yet, uh, you can go ahead and do that. Now, one of the big things is you've got to make sure that your name and your social security number look exactly like they do on your social security card and, and your child's social security card. One of the biggest rejections of um, every year when families fill out the FAFSA, 80% of them will make some kind of mistake, which can cost them aid. Uh, and one of the things is, is filling out information wrong. So it's, it's really, really important that you double and triple check on that. So to start off, you can go to studentaid.gov, G-O-V, uh, to get just to start off the whole process. But one of the things, too, I think is important to understand is that in the past or again, B.C. before COVID, um, there were there was two billion dollars left on the table. That's how many kids that didn't file that would have qualified for some type of aid or Pell Grant. And so there is money there. Uh, but I think people were really intimidated either by the fact that they didn't understand how to do it. They didn't think it's important. They thought they didn't, they made too much money. Um, so I think that's really something that people need to be really just uh, enlightened on so that they can, you know, not miss out on that. Now, if you go to the, the, the website, FAFSA, F-A-F-S-A, dot dot G-O-V, you're going to find there's what's called a waiting room. And that waiting room is going to be there if, if it's somehow there's a lot of people filing at the same time, um, just be patient, stay in the waiting room um, and just, you know, wait and, you know, don't um, don't log out. Don't get out of it so that, you know, you don't have to go back and get back in line. And so there's going to be documents Now the documents you can actually get ahead of time. Now, I've always been a big believer and I still am on doing what's called a worksheet. It, the If you just and you can just Google. 202324 20, FAFSA worksheet. It's a PDF that you can download, you can print it out, and you want to fill it out. 
You want to fill it out long before you do the FAFSA because then you have fresh eyes that you can look at it. You can go in, you can get someone else to look at it to make sure you haven't made any mistakes. If you make mistakes, you know, it can delay your whole processing. It could delay some money that you're going to get. But some of the documents that you're going to basically need are going to be completed tax returns, social security numbers for both you and your child, uh, any uh, child support records if you have those, knowing how much cash you have on hand the day that you file the FAFSA. Now, this is important because a lot of people don't know when, when, they, when they're thinking about what's called the base year, and I'll get into that in a moment, they think, they think about what was it, what I have back then, but it actually counts on the day that you fill the FAFSA, what, what, what amount of money um, that you could really get your hands on. Uh, also know your investments, your maybe some business and farm worth, net worth, Used to, it took about an hour to fill out. Um, now people are pretty much saying, hey, it takes about 20 minutes. But the other thing, too, that can really help a family before they get started, um, and that is to go to what's called the um, the student aid FAFSA estimator. Now, you can do this before you can do this before or after you do the worksheet. But if you go to student aid dot gov forward slash aid aid hyphen estimator then now this is not the fafsa and this is not has this does not have anything to do with pell grant eligibility or work study what this is is when you fill this out it just helps you get an estimate of your sai or your student aid index so you can there's scroll down you it talks about cost of attendance uh, scholarships, grants, and that sort of thing. And you can even click from there to get your uh, FSA ID if you haven't got it yet. Uh, and you can even click click on that that link there to go to the FAFSA as well. So, uh, but these are things that you must do. I say must, but really, really, I highly recommend that you do. It, it would be helpful. Yeah. And then what does SAI stand for again? Student Aid Index. Okay. And 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 you both parent and student have to have the FSA ID before you fill out the FAFSA, uh, otherwise you won't be able to sign it. Mm -hmm. So that you want to do ahead of time, and you can do it from that one link there. Now, because the, the formula has, I'm sorry. The thing about your completed tax returns, we did do this when my kids were in college, and it really is seamless. You can give the it's basically it, it's a government agency pulling from the irs because we are always kind of like leery going okay so you've got our tax records um but they're they're they are available and they are um that they're pulled in seamlessly because otherwise you would have to be bringing in uh, it, it's just too many papers exactly um, you know yeah the data yeah. retrieval tool yes that, that works is, well uh, yeah, that's the one I was talking about. You have to give right. consent. Give consent on that. Yeah, because you were so, saying that they need completed tax returns, and so you, obviously they're not going to have twenty twenty four completed unless they're Johnny on the spot and have them done. No, no, so, no, no. They right. don't. So no, it's, no, it's the past returns. Yes, it's your prior prior. Okay. So you got it. So this this is what's important about what's called the base year. So if anyone's listening and you have a student right now who is a sophomore, they're sophomore in January, and they'll be a junior in October. Um, this is the year that's called your base year. And that means 
This is the tax return year that will be used when you fill out your FAFSA when your students are a senior. So there, there's definitely, a you know, this is a whole other thing we could talk about sometime, but there's definitely, definitely some legitimate loopholes that you can actually do that can help lower what used to be called EFC, which is now the, the SAI now, um, that will make a difference. So what I tell people is if you have a sophomore uh, that year, that's a time that you do not want to to withdraw from your 401. You don't want to sell a piece of property or have some kind of big capital gains, or maybe if the husband is can get a big bonus that year, maybe you can delay it till the next year. Because what's going to happen is when you go to Felta FAFSA on as a senior and they pull your prior prior, it's going to show that you made a whole lot more money than you really did. And so that's going to um, uh, certainly knock you out of a lot of aid, if if maybe even totally. So you got to be really careful with that. So yeah, they're going to pull out the 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 prior prior taxes for for that year. And what and you fill it out the the child's senior year. Correct. You do you fill it out fall, and in this case, normally October, but of course this year ended up being January. But yes, of the senior year. Now the other thing too is um, when you're when you're uh, indicating that you are a parent, um, or maybe your students filling out, you have to really let them know uh, which which one you are, depending on which section you're filling out. But you got to make sure that the the name, the birth date, the everything follows exactly how it's written on the taxes because. A lot of times, if you have a child who has a like a long name, like my son Joshua, but maybe he's always been called Josh, if, it, if any place you don't put Joshua in there or the full name, then that's going to kick it out as a rejection. So you got to be really careful. That's why it's important to double check it, triple check it, get some fresh eyes on it. Um, they've also included um, gender identity now, um, though you can select prefer not to answer, which is, you know, again... That's crazy. Uh, same thing with race and ethnicity. You can check not to not to um, answer that as well. Um, so, as I said, your child, when your child, a lot of times students start filling it out first. And when they do, that's when they can invite a parent to the form. And they need to invite the parent to the form. Once an independent student invites you, then the parent's going to receive information about the onboarding. And then then that's where you're going to, a parent's going to come in, add their name and their birth date and all their information. Uh, but the consent to transfer federal tax information, uh, that what that, that one falls under what's called the parent financial section. Now a parent, this, this I think is a big confusion for some families. A parent can fill out the entire form for the student on their behalf, but you have to actually indicate that from the very beginning that you are filling it out as a parent, but most—that's what most parents are going to do. And uh, and sometimes, you, and, and I think sometimes colleges will have some financial aid offices that will, uh, you know, a career trade school uh, planning offices that will help you, you know, go through the form. But it's not something that they do on a regular basis because it, you know, it, it's only about twenty minutes. So now that it's been streamlined, um, it should be it should be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And so if, is this all they need, Jean? Um, you know, we're getting to the end of our, our session here, but um, so 
if they're interested in college, is this the only thing they should be determined to fill out? Well, if you're planning, if you're, those uh, who are planning on going to college or college bound students, um, there is what I call alerts, A-L-E-R-T-S. Now the FAFSA is filled out uh, to find out how much eligibility aid that you can qualify for, whether it's through the federal Pell Grant or maybe a low low interest loan or work study, or if you don't qualify for any of those, you end up, you know, being able to tap into the state or institutional aid. So yes, the fa the FAFSA has to do with more the finances. But if it's going to college as a whole, and we should definitely do a whole podcast on this, it's what I call alerts, A-L-E-R-T-S. And those are the steps to to the uh, to getting into college. A being application, L being letters of recommendation, uh, E being the essay, R resume, T transcript, and S score or test scores. Uh, so, but the FAFSA right now is what's important. If you do have a senior right now, or if you have you know younger students, uh, it's something that you can start planning for and start looking for ways to lower your SAI um, to be able to get more aid. So what if you can't, you know, what if FAFSA is not sufficient for your college dreams? So the thing about the FAFSA is it is just one piece of the puzzle. It is one part of the the whole college process. And it's not an end all for, for anything. And matter of fact, people say, how much money am I going to get from the FAFSA? Well, you don't get any money from the FAFSA. It is just a form. The colleges use that sort of what they call the secret formula and it's called coa minus sai equals need so they take the cost of the attendance of the school they subtract the sai or the student aid index which used to be the efc and that's going to equal need need is not does not mean needy it doesn't mean you're destitute or poor it's just that it's just the amount of money that the college says well this is how much we say your family needs to be able to afford our school but of course it's usually a joke when people get back their formerly efc now sai it's pretty much a joke and it's it's probably not what you're going to pay but it's just kind of what they use as a starting point or jumping off part so the thing that, to know is that to get into college to get the scholarship money to even get the full rides you need to understand the three parts of that and that is what's called good grades plus good test scores plus flexibility equals a debt-free degree. And a lot of times people talk about the dream college. Well, the dream college is the one that you don't have to pay for. You know, the one that the average student's paying 20 years of debt off. And I think you need to really get in that mindset that, uh, that, I'm not going to spend 20 years paying for something that I did in four years. I mean, a lot of, a lot of families, a lot of graduates can't buy, get a mortgage or travel or start a business or they're delaying family, having families or getting married um, because they're strapped with so much college debt. So it comes down to the fact that knowing that there are ways to go to college and get it paid for. And it, it, it may not be your Harvard or your Princeton, or it may be. I mean, sometimes the Ivy Leagues are more affordable uh, for the middle class than than some state school or even free based on the fact that a lot of even like Princeton and Stanford consider low income, 
$40,000. So just it's just knowing what's out there and knowing that the colleges are looking for those great applicants because the FAFSA is a piece of the financial part, but you also have to be able to get in. And colleges are like the military. They play the long game. The military is not looking for cadets because there's many of them. They're looking for officers. And colleges are the same way. They're they're not looking for applicants. They're looking for supporting alumni. They, they want the student who's going to not only come to their school, who's going to make the school look good, who's going to fill the clubs and get involved, but then ultimately come back and be the ones who are going to be sending them checks every month to support them. And so, how, you know, colleges, when these admissions counselors, you know, are looking at applicants, they, they don't have a crystal ball. You know, they, they can't see the future. They can't see that your style, your child is going to be that one third that's going to graduate. Two thirds of kids drop out of college. And how do they know that one third, that you're that one third? And that is because of what you've done in the past. So they're going to look at how well-rounded you are, how well-rounded, uh, what a well-rounded classroom that you can bring to the table, you know, when it comes to, you know, grades and scores and activities. They, they know, they, they know there are many students who just sit around and play video games all day long and they don't, they're not motivated or they think they're going to be some TikTok um, sensation or something. Um, they, they don't want that. They want the kids who are going to be the hard workers, the one who's, who are going to come in there um, and really get involved in their school. And so this is why it's important um, to do a lot of things we've talked about in the past and that we'll talk about more in the future to become that student that the college is looking for. Yeah, super important. All right, Jean. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And we've got a lot of podcasts that we're going to be doing upcoming um, that are going to cover a lot of the points that we talked about a little bit more in depth um, with college scholarships, uh, others that are available and update some of the past podcasts that you've done. Um, But to the listeners, um, if you go to uh, collegeprepgenius.com, that's Jean's website, and she has a wonderful SAT prep and all kinds of things there uh, that you will be interested in learning more about. And she's got, um, I know you have a lot of like live forums and and that kind of thing where people can come on. So if you are on Jean's email list, you will get that information. And then for the show notes today, which are very extensive, uh, you can go to collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast and just look up the FAFSA, FAFSA, and you will be able to uh, get the show notes as well as a podcast. And one of the even greater things is if you subscribe to Jean's podcast, uh, give her a five-star rating. I don't know if it's a five or four stars to tell you the truth, um, but give her a star rating on this podcast, and then you will be able to subscribe to it and get them on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much, Jean, for coming on. And like I said, we'll be doing more in the upcoming weeks. Take care. All right. Thanks, Lise.
Well, thanks so much for listening to the College Prep Genius Radio Show. You can find more episodes at collegeprepgenius.com forward slash podcast or listen on iTunes, on your favorite podcast app, on your phone, on your computer, or on the go. Remember, visit collegeprepgenius.com for more information and we'll see you soon.